This is the Marathon Training Academy podcast, episode 395. Thanks to our sponsor, Prevenix, maker of Joint Health Plus. The main active ingredients are clinically proven to reduce joint pain, reduce joint stiffness, and improve joint flexibility in just 7 to 10 days. You can save 15% by visiting Prevenix.com and using the code MTA. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use the code MTA. Hey, hey, an old friend and sponsor of the podcast is back and better than ever. New Knee has helped many of our listeners overcome that dreaded runner's knee pain. To help you get back into running without knee pain, go to newkneeshop.com. That's N-U-N-E-E shop.com and use the code MTA10 for 10% off. And we'd also like to thank UCAN. UCAN's patented ingredient, Live Steady, has the remarkable ability to provide a steady release of energy without spiking blood sugar levels. Fuel your next personal best with UCAN and save 20% on your order with the code MTA. Just go to UCAN.co and use the code MTA to save 20%. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower and inspire you to go the distance. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, Angie recaps the Wine Glass Marathon in Corning, New York, which is marathon number 70 for her. Here lessons learned from running 70 marathons. And just a reminder, as a member of the Academy, you get access to all the good stuff, our back podcast episodes, training plans, courses. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, so Angie, between now and the last time we recorded, we had a new American record in the marathon at Chicago. Chicago was a big weekend. Uh, of course, the London Marathon also took place. So a lot of exciting stuff happening out there in the running world. Yeah, that's right. Um, of course, October is probably the peak marathon month of the year. And so there's a lot of great races happening out there. And I'm sure many of our listeners took part in the London Marathon the first place woman there was Yalamzurf Yahala from Ethiopia, and it was really interesting because she fell earlier in the race, but managed to recover and get back with that lead pack, and she finished in 2 hours, 17 minutes, and 26 seconds. At age 23, she's the youngest female winner of the London Marathon, and the male winner was Amos Caprudo of Kenya with a time of 2 hours, 4 minutes, and 39 seconds. And then, like you mentioned, the Chicago Marathon happened recently. The female winner was Ruth Chepnagedich with a time of 2.14.18. And she came just 14 seconds from the world record. So very, very good performance there. The male winner was Benson Capruto with a time of 2.04.24, which is a personal best for him. And it was the fastest Chicago time run since 2014. A new American women's record was set by Emily Sisson with a time of 2.18.29. So she took 43 seconds off the old record and got a five-minute PR for herself, and she also holds the American half marathon record. Well, before we get into our world-famous race recap, we want to give some shout-outs to folks in the community uh, just to give some props. This note comes from Jeremiah. He's an Academy member. He says, it was a great day to run the Twin Cities Marathon. The last month I battled COVID symptoms and it slowed down my training. So I went ahead with the plan of less is best. I finished in 4.58.13. I've been running this race every year for 15 years and this was my best time since 2014. Overall, this was marathon number 25 for me and my next one will be in January in Carlsbad, California. 
And this comes from Philip, another Academy member. He says, I finished the St. George Marathon in my Seagull time of under 4.30 with a time of 4.28.33. Even better, I beat my last marathon time by over an hour, even though I had a lot of leg cramps from mile 19 on. I kept telling myself I had fun. Now I have two months to recover and increase my strength and speed for the California International Marathon. It sounds like he had to convince himself that he had fun. That's right. Hey, I get where he's coming from. Sometimes I have to keep telling myself, I do this because it's fun. This is fun, isn't it? (laughs) And we want to say congratulations to Coach Abby. She recently ran the Hennepin 150 miler. Another of our MTA coaches was there. Coach Henry also ran the Hennepin 100 and he did the 100 miler and was happy to get a sub 24 and a Western States qualifier. And actually, Reagan, who is a coaching client of Coach Abby, also ran 100 miles in 24 hours. It's amazing. So, yeah, so it was a lot of great um, endurance feats at that race. And we have one final email from Caitlin. It's a little bit long, but I thought she really talks about the transformative journey of training for a marathon. She says, well, I did it. I ran my first marathon. The Twin Cities Marathon was beautiful with perfect weather in the morning and the crowds were unbelievable. I really felt good for the first 20 miles, but all the hills from miles 20 to 23 were hard. And by 23, I was ready to be done. I think a lot of people can relate with that feeling at mile 23. (laughs) Definitely. She says, but I kept a really positive headspace, pushed on, and never really hit the wall. When I crossed, I could not believe what I had just accomplished and that I had crushed my goal time. My A goal was 5.15, and I thought that was a long shot, but I ended up finishing in 5.07.40 with a basically even split despite the last three miles of incline. While I may have only decided to run it about four months ago, my journey to this point started a year ago. I was burnt out at work and not the wife or mom I wanted to be at home. I had lost part of myself over the years and decided to make some changes in my life. I started to exercise four to six days a week, eat a balanced diet, and made the tough decision to look for a new job. Through working out, I've lost 40 pounds and gained energy and confidence that I've not had in years. In the spring, I got bored with working out in the basement and decided to go for a run. I had really not run much over the last 10 years, but it felt good to get out and I wanted to challenge myself in another way, which is what led me to sign up for the marathon. I had always wanted to run one, but after stopping running and having kids, I'd always told myself that I could never do it. Well, I had proven myself wrong a lot over the prior eight months and I'd done things I never thought I could do. So I figured I had to believe in myself and knew if I dedicated myself to this goal, I could achieve it. Training for a marathon is not easy, as you all know. I dealt with many issues along the way, like back pain, foot sprains, and Achilles issues, but I was determined to keep going. I was getting up at 4.30 a.m. during the week to run, going to bed early on Fridays, and waking up early on Saturdays for my long runs. I was missing out on social events and time with my family, but I was getting it done and had so much support from my husband and kids along the way. Then five weeks ago, I ended up having unexpected surgery, and I thought that was going to be the end. I could not run for a few weeks, and I was missing crucial mileage increases to my peak week, but I had not come this far to just give up. My first marathon was a huge success, and it just goes to show if you want something bad enough and put in the work, you can do anything. I doubt it will be my last marathon, but for now, I look forward to sleeping a little more and not running in the pitch black. I want to rest and enjoy my accomplishment. Thank you, Angie and Trevor, for creating the MTA podcast. I learned so much from you and the inspirational stories always kept me going. You always say run a marathon and change your life. And after yesterday, I can honestly say that statement is true. And she says, thank you. And that comes from Caitlin. 
That is so cool. We just love hearing stories like this. Thank you, Caitlin, for sharing and all the thought that went into writing that. And just huge congrats on your journey. You've changed your life in, in a lot of ways and many different levels. And it's just so cool just to hear the joy in your voice <laughs> via what you shared with us. So thank you so much. <laughs> That's right. Just like to encourage all of you out there taking action in your goals. Just keep going. We hope that this recap episode uh, encourages you. Angie's going to share what she has learned from running 70 marathons. So without further ado, here is the race recap of the Wine Glass Marathon. Well on my way, well on my way. So Angie, you've done a lot of marathons, obviously. There's not many that you've repeated. This one is a repeat. You did the Wine Glass Marathon in Corning, New York, up there in the Finger Lakes region. You first did it back in 2011. So why'd you decide to do it again? I had a really good experience back then. It had been marathon number five. Marathoning was still very new to me. I was learning a lot and just really had a great experience there. It was the first time that I broke 345. And I was super pumped about that. Um, And actually, I had been running with a lady during the race who was trying to qualify for Boston, which she did. And at that point, I set the goal of getting a BQ, you know, just seeing that her excitement and her joy wrapped up in achieving that huge accomplishment. Of course, I didn't know at the time that getting my first BQ wouldn't happen until Marathon 25. (laughs) So it was a few marathons down the road. But the idea started there. The idea started there. So I just really was excited to go back and run wine glass. You know, I remember it fondly. So was it beautiful with all the nice fall colors and everything in uh, upstate New York this time of year? Yes. um, The further north we drove, the more the colors had developed and the weather ended up being perfect for the day of the race. And it's probably fun to go up there with your sister too. Yeah, it was. Autumn was going to do the half marathon. She actually had signed up for the marathon, but had dealt with injury quite a bit over the last couple of months. And so she uh, switched her race to the half marathon, which was a more uh, reasonable for you know what she had been through. So yeah, it was great to take a trip with her. When I signed up for Wine Glass, it was after Boston in the spring. And I was really excited about, you know, possibly running a fast time for me at Wine Glass because it, the course is fairly flat and usually there's great conditions in October. But unfortunately, the last couple of months, ever since the summer, I've just really had low energy and my motivation has been low. You know, maybe listeners will be surprised to hear that because usually I'm the one with all the motivation mm-hmm. <laughs> and energy to exercise, but I've just not had the normal motivation and energy. So all that has kind of made the training cycle more challenging. So I went into wine glass, you know, not with the most ideal buildup, I would say, Um, However, I was injury free after, you know, last year battling a lot of hamstring issues. So I was thankful that my body was feeling healthy, but I really didn't know what to expect out of myself. And, you know, as a type A personality, we have high expectations for ourselves (laughs) and it's hard to not know what your body is capable of. So that was, that was very challenging from, you know, the mental and emotional side of things. You've been doing this for a long time and it's interesting how other factors just life factors can have an impact on training. And I think sometimes beginners might not realize that. So it's like everything's woven so tightly between life and marathon training that there's just a lot of factors that can impact it. It's not just a straightforward proposition of just do these runs on this plan and you will be in tip-top shape. 
yeah, if only that were it were that easy, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely your outside stress, like a lot of other factors going on in your body and your mind, and it all it all plays a role. Marathons are awesome, but your first priority is your overall health and your longevity in running. So it's important to always make those calculations to make sure that you're doing what's best for your body. So if you had low motivation for running this marathon, what source did you draw from? Like, was it just willpower at that point? Yeah, I think at some point, I guess, knowing it was my 70th marathon, it's like my body knows what to do. And, you know, I've I've definitely went into other marathons feeling doubtful and uncertain about what the experience is going to be like, and maybe not feeling like 100% excited about the race. So I guess that's, you know, maybe my point. And I've heard from other people too, is like, sometimes you can sign up for a race. And by the time it gets there, you know, maybe kind of some of the excitement is gone. And that doesn't mean that you should 100% do the race, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't either. It's kind of something that each person needs to decide um, for themselves. So in retrospect, are you glad you did it? I am glad I did it. Yeah. The Wine Glass Marathon puts on a great event all the way from the communication before the race to their expo and their swag, everything they can to make sure that you have the best experience possible. Speaking of swag, they give you a t-shirt. It's it's not just a t-shirt. It's this long sleeve technical half zip, kind of a heavier fabric. Ooh, even better. Which is really nice. <laughs> they give you a little bottle of wine. A split of champagne, a commemorative wine glass, and they also do a custom glass medal every year. So, you know, if nothing else, do it for the swag, right? (laughs) At the expo this year, they actually had guests uh, Dina Castor and Bart Yasso. The race also has live runner tracking. And like many races do, they bus all runners to the starting line. And since it was a pretty chilly morning, it was about mid 40s with some wind. It was nice. They had like a tent area set up with chairs and a garage for runners to congregate and stay warm. So that was really (laughs) helpful. (laughs) Oh, that is nice. So this is a smaller race, or would you consider it like a mid-size race? I would consider it mid-size. I believe they have around 3,000 to do the half marathon, um, which starts at a separate location, and about 2,000 who do the marathon, give or take a bit. So yeah, it's it's definitely a mid-size. It doesn't feel small. You know, there's always people to be running um, with. There's good pace groups. So what was the course like? Well, it's point to point, and it's a mostly flat course. The full marathon starts in Bath, New York. So they bus you out there. Then it travels through kind of like a valley to Savona, which is another town, Campbell, where the half marathon starts, onto Cooper Plains and then Painted Post. And then you finish on Historic Market Street in Corning, New York. So you kind of go through a variety of countryside and these small towns. Um, And of course, in the town areas, usually there's, you know, more spectators and everything. And there's a few small hills on the course, but it has an overall elevation drop of 200 feet. And the course was supported by people on bikes. They had green bike support vest. I guess there was almost 20 bikers out there um, kind of cycling amongst the course. Autumn said during the half marathon that they were very, very attentive, like asking her if she needed anything. And <laughs> People on bikes. Yeah, people on bikes. That actually be really fun to volunteer for yeah, something like that. Yeah, it would. Just kind of cruise around, make sure people are doing okay cruise by hey i noticed you're running kind of slow are you all right (laughs) that would be what not to do (laughs) (laughs) also the course was really well supported they had 16 water hydration stations with portable toilets at each one Um, they had three different gel stations they had plenty of medical support stations of which i had to stop at a couple (laughs) 
Oh, you better explain why. Yes. About mile 12, I started to feel very painful chafing in my inner thighs. And you know, of course, with chafing, by the time you feel it, it's already too late. (laughs) Um, So yes, somehow I had forgotten to apply anti-chafing ointment to my inner thighs, which was a huge mistake. So I stopped at the next um, medical station, got a big glob of Vaseline and was, you know, applying it. Hey, that's what it's there for. It is. Yeah. Do you remember that one race where someone thought it was like a gel or gel? something? <laughs> <laughs> Vaseline on the end of a popsicle stick and they ate it. Oh, that would really suck. That's why I smell my food before I eat it. <laughs> Yes, I was experienced enough to know what to look for there. But so, yes, there's something on a popsicle stick and don't put it in your mouth automatically. So you're telling me that you've run 70 marathons and you forgot to put your your body glide stuff on your. Well, body glide doesn't work for me. I mean, I might as well be just like be putting water on my skin. I have to have like the heavy duty stuff. <laughs> okay. And so, yes, I did forget. Here's a pro tip for all of you out there. So Angie used to get really bad chafing on your back. My, my sports bra line. Yeah. Okay, so then tell people how you fixed it. Well, finally, I mean, someone suggested using KT tape. And so slap some KT tape on there. It adheres really well. And then the bra strap can rest on that tape instead of chafing on your back. So certain spots that works really well. I wouldn't say all spots could, you know, use the KT tape. You just kind of a situation by situation basis. But that worked really well there. So what was it like starting out? Did you kind of settle into just a comfortable pace? Yeah, I figured I would just run what I felt like running until I didn't feel like running that anymore. Was, you know, keeping up a decent pace for me, but was throwing in some walk breaks, walking through aid stations. And, you know, it was just like, well, you know, I'm not going to PR here. And I, I don't want to overexert myself because I'm already not feeling like 100%. So I'm just going to try to get through the rest of it and lower my expectations and just have a good time. And so that's pretty much what I did for the rest of the race. <laughs> that sounds like every race for me. Yes. I absolutely have no time ambitions and uh, it takes the stress off. Yeah. Well, for me, it's hard not to have time ambitions. There's part of my mind that always goes to like, but you could be faster, but you, you know, mm-hmm. so it's really hard for me to shut down that portion of my brain sometimes. Um, and I'm usually glad when I do, you know, when I just take like, time pressure out of the equation but but it is really hard and it was interesting around mile 18 I was walking up this little incline and there was a guy who I came upon and he was walking as well and he did not look like he was feeling that great and so I just kind of looked at him and was like well all we can do is put one foot in front of the other right he's like yeah this is terrible (laughs) (laughs) I know he said this is horrible that's what he said horrible And I was like, is this your first marathon? He's like, yes, my training runs went great, but this is horrible. He just kept repeating, this is horrible. (laughs) But it kind of made me like chuckle inwardly because, you know, sometimes marathons are horrible. Like there's horrible and wonderful aspects mixed together. So I told him, I'm like, I said, you know, for most people at some point during a marathon, it is horrible. So you're not alone. Like, you know, even though people maybe look like they're doing better or they're running a faster pace than you, they're still going to probably hit maybe a horrible patch at some point. Yeah. There's a reason why only 1% of the population run marathons. And Angie, you're telling us that after 70, they're still hard? Yeah, they're still hard. Isn't that (laughs) disappointing? (laughs) That makes me respect the marathon even more. I wish I had like figured out the secret sauce to making marathons not hard, but... It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. So if someone tells you otherwise, they're probably... Cheating. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, cutting the course. (laughs) The last time you ran the Corning Marathon... You had a person on the course 
vocalizing his, uh, his, his head trash. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I, I don't remember exactly what point. It was after mile 20 for this guy. I, I think we were fairly close to the finish line, maybe within you know two to three miles, which still feels long. We should uh, go find that clip of baby Angie sharing that story. <laughs> yes, that would be better than old Angie trying to recount it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so give me a, a second, folks. I'm going to go back to the podcast archives in the vault, the Academy vault, and I'm going to pull out the episode from 2011 and play that clip. Here is, we call this baby Angie because her voice is a little more, I don't know. <laughs> Untested. <laughs> it just sounds like your your voice is more high, kind of like more high pitch. I don't know why. It's the years of smoking. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I don't smoke. I think we had a different microphone, different place we recorded. Anyway, here's baby Angie sharing the story way back in 2011. This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 45. Well, a couple times during the race, I came up upon this guy. He was making the most awful sounds. He sounded like a woman in labor. He was just like, oh. And I thought, you know, I've got to get away from this guy. He's making me feel worse. (laughs) Well, mile 22, I came upon him again, and he's making these sounds. So I said, you're doing good. Keep it up. You're almost there. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I was like, we only have four miles left. Think of how many times you've run four miles. He's like, I can't do it. I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> He's like, no, I can't. The most I ever ran was 22 miles. I can't do any more. And I was like, yes, you can. Your body is going to do what your mind tells it to. So you just have to tell yourself that you're going to finish. You're going to do this. He's like, but I can't. I was like, yes, you can. By that time, I was I was not going to slow down and tow him across the finish line. So I just kind of had to pass him. I've never had like an argument with somebody during a marathon before. He was no longer thinking rationally, which I can understand because there have been points in marathons where I have not thought rationally. You know, he had probably started out too fast, used up too much energy in the first part of the race, and he really didn't have anything left for the last part of the race. Oh, poor guy. So, you know, he probably had too aggressive of a time goal for his first marathon. And then by about mile 24, 25, there was another guy. He was actually being paced by his wife, and he was just walking. And she's like, come on, honey, you can do it. You know, he's like, oh. (laughs) Oh, man. So I kind of came up alongside them. I was like, you know, only a couple more miles to go. Come on, you know, let's start running again. Once you get to the finish line, you're not going to regret just pushing hard and giving it all you've got. You know, you're really close. And so we kind of got him running again. And it kind of distracted me in those later miles, being able to encourage other people. Sometimes Sometimes everything is wrong All right, well, thank you, baby Angie, for sharing that story. We're back to middle-aged Angie here. (laughs) Yes. So let's continue on here with a recap of the Wine Glass Marathon. You're, You're around mile 18. You're in the grind, keeping one foot in front of the other. We all know the feeling if we've done a marathon. You're a tough lady, and you've done this uh, many times, so you dug deep and kept pushing. And then you saw the finish line. Presumably, you finished this marathon, right? I did finish, yes. <laughs> I was very happy to finish. Yeah, I was actually surprised that I 
still finished under four hours despite my many walk breaks and <laughs> thigh chafing and a porta pot break as well. So yeah, I finished in 357.02, which I was very happy with. Yeah. And, you know, kind of at that point, it's just like, you're just so happy to see the finish line. Um, and got to meet up with my sister, Autumn, who had finished the half marathon in 229. And then, of course, the Wine Glass Marathon has an amazing post-race food tent. Nice. I was right over there because you know that... Not only do I love to fuel well during the marathon, but I love to eat well afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of fueling well during the marathon, I'm assuming that you took UCAN. That's right. I love using the UCAN Edge Gels. They also have the energy powder, which we used previously, and the energy bars. But I really love the UCAN Edge Gels. They just really settle well with my stomach. And of course, they have the UCAN's patented ingredient, Live Steady, which helps keep your blood sugar stable. It's really nice going into a marathon knowing that I don't have to worry about my fueling. I don't have to worry about my stomach being off. Just really, really thankful to be able to use the UCAN Edge Gel. How many gels did you carry? Do you remember? I carried three with me, and I think I took half a gel every three miles. And you just carry them in a running skirt with pockets or something? My running shorts have good pockets on the sides. And then actually when I would eat half of a gel, then I would like roll the the top back and I would stick the rest in my sports bra. So I wouldn't like stick it in my pocket and get all like smashed all over. So yeah, that made me think of a story. When I was in the boys home, there was this kid in there named Evan. He would squirt hair gel into his pocket. This is the nineties. Okay. So hair gel is a big thing. And he would just reach in his pocket throughout the day and gel his hair. So yeah, that could work with UCAN too. Just like some... Napoleon Dynamite with the tots in the pocket. That's right. <laughs> your UCAN edge, just squirt it in your pocket and just reach down in there and get some and lick it off your fingers uh, during the marathon. Okay, you're going to gross people out here. <laughs> They're not going to use it. <laughs> no, you should use it because it's great. Just go to UCAN.co forward slash MTA for 20% off. That's UCAN.co forward slash MTA for 20% off. It was also really cool to see MTA listeners out on the course. Actually, there were a lot of MTA listeners who were doing the races and who were out spectating as well. Actually, about mile 12, a woman yelled, go Angie. She said, I love your podcast. And then I heard her <laughs> tell her friends, it's my favorite podcast. I'm like, oh, it really warmed my heart. <laughs> then I'm like, I hope they don't see me walking later. <laughs> Uh, So that was really fun. Um, I actually got to meet up with a listener named Bridget at the Expo. She was running the half marathon this year. And she said that Wineglass was her first race back in 2018 when she signed up with MTA. She said that she works in healthcare and said that we really helped get her through a lot on this crazy journey. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. Um, Got also a couple emails from people who were there that I didn't get to meet up with. This notice from Jeff, he says... Hi, Angie. I looked for you at the Wine Glass Marathon, but we didn't cross paths last weekend. That marathon was my sixth since I started running two and a half years ago. I ran a 2024 Boston qualifying time of 3.19.07. Wow. Congratulations, Jeff. That is really exciting. He said, I beat my last PR by over seven minutes. He says, I refuse to let the 3.20 pacer pass me once I saw him with four miles to go, as I knew that was the Boston qualifying time I needed. It was a mental battle, but I ran next to him, and he told me he would get me there. And then I exploded down the final stretch to my finish. See, that is the beauty of a pacer right there. And I've been in situations like that where you see the pacer come up from behind you and you're like, I just got to stay with this pacer, not let myself uh, fall behind. And then you just kind of trust that they're on pace, right? Right. 
So they kind of take the thinking out of it. You just have to like tag along. Yep. (laughs) Well, in just a second, Angie wants to talk about lessons learned from 70 marathons. First, we want to tell you about a couple of sponsors that will really help you prevent injury. Check out Prevenex. They make a product called Joint Health Plus. We've been taking it to help our joints recover faster and hold up stronger. It's backed by clinical research, which is something that really attracted us to the product. And since we've been talking about it, here's a a comment that came through from a listener named Yoko. She said, I've been using this for about a month and I've noticed that some of my joint pain is gone. I'm almost 60 years old, a long distance runner, and I'll continue to use this to see how much more effective it is for my body. So yeah, glad it's working. And what's cool about Prevenex is if you don't see any benefits from Joint Health Plus in the first 30 days, they will completely refund your purchase. So I know from having run 70 marathons that it is very important to focus on recovery and focus on your joint health. So we really encourage you to check out Joint Health Plus. You can go over to Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. And you can use the code MTA for 15% off your first order of Joint Health Plus at Prevenex.com. Hey, and if you're struggling with knee pain, New Knee is an innovative bracing system that's helped MTA listeners get back into running and training without knee pain. Clinically proven to provide immediate relief from runner's knee pain, And it's recommended by physical therapists because it helps accelerate recovery and allows you to get back into doing what you love. That's right. New Knee was designed by runners for runners, actually right in the New York Finger Lake region, which is where the Wine Glass Marathon takes place. And New Knee's new and improved design is effective, comfortable, and versatile no matter what weather conditions that you run in. So if you're struggling with runner's knee pain, give Nuni a try. You'll have nothing to lose but pain because Nuni is guaranteed to provide immediate relief or your money back. Just go to NuniShop.com, that's N-U-N-E-E shop.com, and enter the discount code MTA10 for 10% off your order. That's NuniShop.com and use the discount code MTA10. All right, so Angie, what are some lessons learned from running 70 marathons? First, we should read a list of every marathon that you've done. That would be super boring for people. (laughs) (laughs) There is a list, though, on our website, if you're interested. It's kind of sad because there's a handful of those marathons that are not even around anymore. Yeah, it is interesting. I think the first marathon that I did, the Country Music Marathon in Nashville, Tennessee, is now defunct. I think they were bought by the Rock and Roll Series or something happened like that, so... My first marathon is defunct. Wow. The Rock and Roll Marathon, St. Louis. I think they just went to a half marathon for a while and don't have a marathon. Yeah, so you never know. Do you ever just take a walk down memory lane, though, and like look at the medals and make you think about the race and stuff? Usually, I only really think about it when I'm going to be interviewed, and I know that I might have to talk about some of the races, so I'm like, okay, I got to remember what year that one was, and... (laughs) brush up mentally. (laughs) No, I do look at my medals fondly. We have them displayed in our workout area. So occasionally I'll go and take a closer look at one or two of my favorites. As you should. (laughs) So I think lesson number one actually came from that man during the marathon (laughs) who was talking about how horrible it was. (laughs) It just made me chuckle because it'd be so true. So lesson number one is marathons are both wonderful and horrible. They keep you humble, but they can also lift you up. So there can be so many different emotions and sensations and experiences all within 26.2 miles. It really is kind of like a condensed version of life. Yeah. Lesson number one was inspired by that guy on the course. But do you think horrible is too strong of a word? 
Um, I don't want to discourage anybody from not trying. I mean, horrible in a sense that you keep wanting to come back and, you know, figure out the puzzle of the marathon. You know, there's been maybe a handful of marathons for me that I haven't had like a horrible moment during the race where I had to dig really deep physically or mentally. But that is the great minority of my marathons. So there is a suffer fest at every marathon. I would say that's pretty much true. Yeah. I yeah. mean, maybe if you start running 100 milers and then run, go back and run a marathon, it's going to seem a lot better in comparison. So maybe yeah. it's all just a matter of what you're comparing it to. I would say I've had a suffer fest at all of the marathons I've done. Some of them were worse than others. <laughs> um, it depends on the weather. I mean, the weather can really make it miserable that's if it's hot sure. yep. or if it's just like raining, freezing cold rain the whole time, like your marathon uh, that one year in New Jersey. Actually, more recent was the one in Vermont that I did. I think it was in 2019. Oh, yeah. And it was just like freezing rain. And my hands got so cold, I could not use them. Like at aid stations, there's like no way I could open anything. Yeah. I don't think my fingers have ever recovered from that. I probably got mild frostbite. So what's lesson number two? Well, it is don't neglect the quote unquote small stuff. So this was inspired by me forgetting to put anti-chafing ointment on my thighs. <laughs> it's small stuff like that that you can easily overlook that can make your marathon a lot more challenging. I suppose it's also true in training, right? I mean, if you're going to be as prolific as you've been and run for as, as many years as you have, you're probably paying attention to a lot of small stuff in your training. Injury prevention kind of stuff is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And it's, I guess you come to realize after a while that the small stuff is not really the small stuff. Um, things like getting quality sleep and recovery and strength training and your nutrition and everything that goes into a successful marathon. It's more than just putting in your training runs. There's probably a lot that we can mention. We won't, you know, for time's sake, but small stuff that one can do during their training. Something simple like keeping track of how many miles are on your shoes is an important detail. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's very common, maybe when you're training for your first marathon, to just think, okay, I can fit in these training runs. I'm going to check them off diligently, but pretty much neglect all the other stuff. And that's what I did when I was training for my first marathon and dealt with a lot of injury issues and, of course, was able to finish that first marathon. But it was a much more difficult experience than when I started being attentive to a lot of those recovery things that we've talked about and, you know, focusing on a strong mindset along with a strong body. Number three is don't compare yourself to anyone else. And I would add to that, sometimes it's not even helpful to compare yourself to previous versions of yourself. Since your progress is not going to be linear, you may experience setbacks and you're always changing as a person. So I think, you know, we often hear don't compare yourself to anyone else. Yeah, you know, but we often say just compare yourself to previous versions of yourself. Well, unfortunately, the way life works is we're not always going to be improving in every single area. And because of various health factors, injuries, illnesses, life situations, it's not always possible to progress in every area all the time. And so sometimes if you're comparing yourself maybe to that version of you who PR'd or, you know, who weighed was, 20 pounds less. Yeah, who was at the lowest weight, that's going to be unrealistic. And if you're always trying to get back to that person, you can take a lot of joy out of the present moment and, you know, become frustrated with yourself because your expectations are so high. 
what then do we compare ourselves with? <laughs> well, I think it's important to realize that we are always changing. And sometimes it'll be in ways that we are happy about. Sometimes it'll be in ways that we aren't happy about. But I think back to um, Brad Stolberg's book. The Practice of Groundedness. Yes. And he says, the, the path is the goal. The goal is the path. So, you know, you put yourself on a path that is going to lead to health and flourishing and the things you want. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be obstacles on that path, but staying on the path sometimes is just the best you can do and let that be the goal. Like you can be doing quote unquote everything right and you still may not be getting to where you want to be at that moment. That doesn't mean you're not ever going to get there. So it doesn't mean that you're a failure in that moment. It just means that, you know, maybe you've plateaued. Maybe there is some piece of the puzzle that you have not integrated yet. Or maybe you just need more time and maturity to get to that place. So is that how your marathon career has felt? Yeah. And I think everyone's journey is their own. Um, Like I set the goal of qualifying for Boston at my fifth marathon. I didn't accomplish it until my 25th marathon. You know, some people qualify for Boston during their first or second marathons. It's all okay. You know, there's no specific timeline for success. So sometimes you just have to let go of those timelines um, that can be unhelpful and maybe dragging you down. So you say that progress will not necessarily be linear. And we've talked to a lot of elite athletes on the podcast through the years. And you can definitely see in a lot of their stories that progress was not linear. You know, most of them that we've talked to have had to take time out because of injuries. And then boom, you know, three years later, they come back like, look what Sarah Hall's doing now. Look what Kira D'Amato has done this year. Her story is anything but linear because there was a time where she just wasn't running at all after college because of injuries. Yeah, that's right. So even if you're going through a slump in your running and you're not getting the times you want, don't be so hard on yourself. It's all about enjoying where you're at now, this present moment. And it doesn't mean that you'll never make progress again. You might have your best days still ahead of you. Angie's fastest marathon was like marathon 64 or 65. Can you imagine that? Having run 65 marathons and then boom, your fastest time. Yeah. And so you just never know. Um, That's one of the things that's really cool about running is you don't limit yourself because you just really never know what what your progress is going to look like. You just have to keep at it and give it your best and keep learning and growing. And number four. Your journey will be full of challenges. And by challenges, I mean some stuff you'd rather just avoid, but it will all be worth it. And I can think back to, you know, many of the challenges I've gone through with injuries. And of course, I would rather have just skipped the injury entirely, but it's helped me to learn a lot through that and be able to implement practices that help me to this day. Um, Things like principles of recovery and strength training and really how to listen to my body better. And of course, hopefully, hearing my journey has been helpful to people out in our audience who deal with injury as well. And if I'd never ever had injuries, then I probably wouldn't have a lot of perspective (laughs) or even be able to offer much helpful advice on how to get through it both physically and mentally. 
And, you know, I think of like other challenges that just regular everyday runners like us deal with, um, even the elites deal with this kind of stuff. Um, I just remember back before the Boston Marathon doing a live event with You Can, and one of the runners there was Emily Sisson. And she was kind of sharing backstage uh, with Carrie Tollefson and I and Emma Bates about how she had had COVID and really had a huge setback with her training. She hadn't been able to reach yeah. um, the milestones that she wanted in her training. She really had to just take it easy. And she was just kind of feeling discouraged, like, will my fitness ever come back? So that was like in April of this year. So she goes on the summer to set the American half marathon record. And now in Chicago set the women's marathon record. Yeah. So, you know, that was a huge challenge. I'm sure she would have rather avoided going through COVID and the setbacks in her training. But, you know, in a way, it turned out to be something that was part of a bigger picture for her. I love the the gratuitous name dropping here on the podcast. Angie's like, I'm just hanging out backstage with Emily Sisson, Emma Bates. <laughs> this is, that's very rare. Usually I'm just <laughs> hanging out with you. <laughs> And our cats. <laughs> you know, another thing that I have noticed in all of the marathons you've done, because you know, I've been on this journey with you, a lot of these races I've been, like literally I've been there with you, especially in the beginning. And so there's been like sub goals inside this big number, 70. It's not like you set out to run this many marathons. You set out to run your first, and then you set out to try to get faster, uh, which was just to go sub four. So then what was the goal after that? Uh, it was my goal was to become a marathon maniac. So I ran three marathons um, within 90 days. Yep. But while you were doing that, you heard about the 50 State Club. Yep, exactly. So here, here is the warning that if you dive into the marathon world too much, you're going to start like hearing about these really awesome things, these goals <laughs> that you may decide you want to take on for yourself. <laughs> it could get really hard on the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we always love to hear about your goals, you that are listening. And what's cool, since if we're talking about marathons, since the marathon is so long, pretty much any little sub goal in the marathon world that you choose, if you're dealing with marathons, it's automatically going to be challenging. And there are other ways to make it more challenging if you want. That's right. Well, Angie, congrats on running marathon number 70. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to our race recap and lessons from 70 marathons. If you need more help in pursuing your marathon goals, feel free to reach out. We have a contact form on our website. We love to talk about how we can help you. You can find us over at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com and we're on Instagram and Facebook at Marathon Academy. More great episodes heading your way. Thanks for being a subscriber. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.